It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Money, 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 money. Quickly to Wall. Wall yes! measures. Deal. Gets open for three. Dagger! Yes! Hey, welcome to Locked On Wizards podcast. Uh, depressing night here in DC, the nation's capital. The Wizards dropped. Uh, a tough loss where they really didn't fight from the start to the Toronto Raptors to get down to 0-2 in the series. We're going to talk about the defensive effort, allowing 130 points, 76 in the first half, 44 in just the first quarter. And we're also going to talk about Bradley Beal's struggles. He was 3 of 11 in only 25 minutes and had 9 points. Finally, we're going to talk about the debut of Ty Lawson, great game. Uh, he hit four three-pointers, 14 points, eight assists, just one turnover. So we're going to start with the defense, and our guest tonight is devastated Wizards fan. <laughs> His Twitter name is Sad Wizards fan, but we've got Garrett Schaefer here to join us. Do you have a shovel with you, Garrett? And, uh, yeah, you know, out back. I'm getting ready. But... I hope you don't have a broom, too. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't think it sweeps yet, but what we'll what is your prediction? Do you still see what was your original prediction, and what's your prediction now after two games? I, I was an optimistic Wizards in six, unlike everyone. Okay. That's a real punnet. But now I'm hoping Wizards in seven, optimistically. Yeah, I don't think the Wizards are about to win four straight, but you never know. Um, anyway, Locked On Wizards podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify, and Google Play. Um, you can check us out on Stitcher and LockedOnWizards.com as well. Um, every The link to every episode is posted on Twitter if you want to check us out that way. Uh, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. There's excellent playoff coverage all around the board. Uh, be sure to tune in to Locked On NBA Podcast every Monday. Um, I can't tell you what time it comes up. I think Monday morning. But anyways, this is Locked On Wizards. 
we've got insight after every Wizards game, actually five days a week, not just Wizards games. You can also find us on Dash Radio's uh, Nothing But Net station. And by the way, Garrett and I are both part of Wizards Extra, uh, which every home game we've got awesome coverage um, from pregame warm-up videos to in-game tweets, uh, in-game tweets for all the games. But home games, we also have uh, interviews after the game with players and coaches I would love to see, I haven't seen it yet, what whoever from the Wizards had to say, but it's it's a rough one, that's no doubt about it. Um, so I was in the midst of my own basketball game, which we can talk about later, but nobody cares about that, but the Wizards allowed 44 points in the first quarter. What did you see? I think, I'm not sure if I counted correctly, but it looked like Toronto hit six threes, six of their 13 threes in just the first quarter. Could they miss? No, I mean, it's like we forgot from game one that Toronto is good at shooting threes, and DeMar DeRozan returned to his three-point shooting form that he lost in the spring, Mm -hmm. and C.J. Miles is a Wizards killer, as we all know, so no, they could not miss in that first quarter, but also the defense was just lax as compared to what Toronto was coming with. And did it have to do with matchups? Was it like exploiting... uh... Gortad, or would you just say like it was a poor performance altogether from the starters early in that first quarter? No, I mean, A, John and Brad picked up quick fouls. Brad's a lot of him, his early fouls were like on sh- on shots, so he was giving up a lot of shot attempts there. But mm-hmm. it was just, I mean, you can't put it on Gortad. He was out the game early. Yeah. It was just an overall poor performance in the f- first quarter. You can't give up 44 to anyone. Like, the Wizards starting lineup, by the way, had what 41 plus 9 is 50 plus 6 56 points out of 119 let's hope i did that math right 29 and 12 okay well i'll do this in my head later but i'm pretty sure 56 is the total uh after just i think 20 maybe 20 21 22 points in the first game the bench came to play tonight um 48 and 12 is 60 plus 3 63 points off the bench that's pretty solid um Ubre broke his Shooting slump a little bit. He had 14. Mike Scott, they've got to give him some money over this offseason, for real. 20 points, 7 of 10 shooting, 4 of 5 from downtown. And then we'll talk about um, this guy later, but I mentioned Ty Lawson. He had 14 points. First player off the bench, which probably made your head, you scratch your head a little bit. And then Jan Mahimi, this was mostly garbage time, but he had 12 points, shot 4 of 4, hit uh, 4 free throws as well. What... Why do you think the starters came out so limp after you know being down a one and knowing that they had to steal one of these games to really keep the series competitive? What what was it about the start of the game that kind of had you so puzzled? I mean, I can't explain Markeith and uh, Otto's disappearance, but John and Brad, I really think those early fouls, they never get in early foul trouble, really, and I think that put them off their rhythm because you saw John after he came back in the game, and from then on, he was able to get going, but Brad just couldn't catch it. He was he seemed off the stroke, and just really he didn't get easy shots going. John can create easy layups for himself, and that's how he got going, but Brad wasn't able to do that, and his shot wasn't falling, so... And then Otto didn't even get playing time once Mike Scott and Ubre got going. Same with Markeith, so. Yeah, and it was very strange, like, minute breakdown. Um, I mean, I'm not surprised at all to see Gortat have only 12 minutes, but 25 for Porter is very low, um, 28 for Markeith Morris. And then Beal played just 25 minutes, Wall 32. You mentioned the, the foul trouble. 
But it's, I mean, we've seen this a couple of times throughout the season. It's very rare, but Beal, we'll, we'll talk about this in the next segment, but, you know, 3 of 11, 1 of 5 from 3-point range, and just 9 points. There were definitely games throughout his career, not just this season, where he starts off slow in like a quarter, a half, and then just, you know, has that hot streak where he goes like, you know, 5 of 7 and a quarter and just boosts his point total. It looked like... You know, he finished with four fouls, but he never he never quite caught that heat tonight, unfortunately. Um, let's talk about Toronto for a little bit. So they hit 13 three-pointers, as we mentioned, um, after 16 in Game 1. They shot 52%. Did it seem like in the first half, 76 points... What was kind of like working for them in your mind? Was it just good ball movement? Was it that DeRozan was unstoppable? What well, what allowed them to? Was it that that everyone who they bring in off the bench is is just as good as the starters? It seems like what what makes Toronto work so well, especially in that first half when they dropped seventy six. I will say tonight their bench didn't really carry them. If you look at the breakdown, the starters really did the job. Like Van Vliet, who every Wizards fan I'm sure was terrified of before the seasons or before the series started, has not even been a factor. Yeah, Yeah. but it was really just the lax defense at the start. Like, unlike you'll see Toronto run handoff plays at the top of the key, and the Wizards will be back off behind the three point line, letting them get into their play, move all around the three point line, do whatever they want. And once players like DeRozan, if if his three point shot gets going, it's like if John Wall's three point shot gets going, exactly. you can't stop him. So that pretty much just allowed all the rest of their guys to get going from that. Like Valanciunas is going to get easy buckets when everyone breaks down on DeRozan. Abak is going to get easy buckets. And then I don't know what CJ Miles is on, but he can't miss a three. It's crazy. Yeah, Abaka really frustrates me because I kind of thought his career was dead. <laughs> Once he went to the Magic and like he, he had some sort of role, but I thought like he tried to reinvent himself as a three-point shooter. But, you know, games like tonight, he didn't shoot well. 4 of 11, just made one three-pointer out of three attempts. But those three blocks and nine rebounds, one of them was on Beal, who obviously had an off night to begin with. But it it's just makes me so envious, you know, that the Wizards don't have a guy who can play center and pre- protect the rim. I guess you can say Mahimni is, like, a, a decent shot blocker, but he's not anywhere near as quick as Ibaka and therefore he can't really play too much of the game and then it's it's a very I wouldn't say it's a soft defensive front court for the Wizards when they roll with Morris and Scott because you know like you saw Mike Scott's hard foul on Kyle Lowry and you you know that Markeith Morris throughout his career he's one of the toughest guys but I I just you know that there's there's no solid center position for the Wizards and I think that's a little bit what it all boils down to. Do you feel like the perimeter defense, de- per- perimeter defensive woes, and ability to like let the the Raptors make so many threes kind of boils down to like we can't jump out at them and and overplay and things like that just because there is not really a second line of help. Do you think that plays a factor in the the defense on the perimeter? Yeah, I mean when John Wall's arguably your best shot blocker on the team it's right. pretty hard to to gamble and men like Kelly Kel is the kind of player that wants to play in the passing lanes but he can't play the passing lanes too heavily if he's always worried that the second his man gets by him it's an easy layup so I mean I do agree that 
I think we the only way you win this series if you go small, but also you need to play tough defense both on the perimeter and then just inside the paint at all times. It's just just it's hard to do, but you always got to be focused. We know the starting lineup's not going to change, but if you were to you know sit in uh, Scott Brooks's shoes, who would you start Game Three? Mike Scott for Morris is what really? I would put in for that. But yeah, Keith Cortot like, then. Uh, I think he might go small and. If you put in Scott and Morris and then get out Gorta, I just don't know because they're going to start Valanciunas and Ibaka. Okay. And I think you need a West center for a couple minutes and then take him out just because Valanciunas doesn't play the whole game. He just yeah. gets big spurts. So I think you need a center to combat that at the start. But then Keith immediately goes in for Gortat. Or you could start Mahimi for Gortat, in all honesty, at this point. Right. They're interchangeable. In just 23 minutes tonight, Valanciunas, 8 of 11, 14 rebounds, and 19 points. It's absolutely ridiculous. He hit a 3-2, um, which was a sequence where Gortat, uh, he missed, like, the easiest of layups. I, he, I mean, I'll give him credit. Like, he was caught in sort of, like, no man's land because he's in that, like, 6-10 to 10 foot range where it's not exactly a layup, but, like, everyone expects you to make it every time. It was, a like, a slick pass that caught the defense off, off uh, guard by Wall. Gortat bricks it off the front of the rim, and then he couldn't catch up with Valanciunas on the other end, allowed a three-pointer, uh, <laughs> made Mike Scott jump off the bench immediately. He couldn't have come in the game any sooner, but yeah. Anyway, 130-119 was the final score. We're going to take a real quick break here before we dive into the analysis of Bradley Beal and whether his off game was due to legs and being exhausted or, or something else. So stay tuned in. Uh, Garrett Schaefer, a.k.a. Sad Wizards fan, very fitting tonight, and me, Noah Getzel, underscore, I mean, Noah underscore Getzel. I'm coming right back at you with some more Locked On Wizards podcast. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, we are back with the Locked On Wizards podcast on a depressing Game 2 defeat by the Wizards, uh, from the Wizards against the Raptors in Toronto tonight. Uh... So you mentioned foul trouble was kind of the story for the guards um, with uh, John Wall ending up with four fouls and Bradley Beal also having four fouls. When was it that Scott Brooks decided it wasn't really worth the risk to keep them in the game? And how, how did the game shift once Wall and Beal were, were both out in your mind? How did it break down for you? I mean, it was really early on. The second each of them picked up their second foul, which I think was midway or pretty early, like midway on through the first quarter, he had to switch it up. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it just shifted the game because the Raptors didn't have to worry as much defensively about who was coming at them in terms of tie loss and they saw Oubre looks. But it's just like you can kind of relax. You don't have nine straight minutes of John Wall and Bradley Beal who can go off for 30 at any moment coming straight at you. And so. You're, you're allowed to put your bench players in. Your bench players get comfortable in front of the home crowd, and they're going. And then you just get time for your starters to rest and even more time for them when they come back in the second to be fresh. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it, it, it was all compiled on the Wizards tonight. 
So do you feel like Beal just couldn't find his rhythm given that he was sitting on the bench so much? Do you think that was his issue or did it have to do with any other sort of factors? Because like in the playoffs, we've traditionally seen that he always rises to the occasion. Do you think it might be a different story somewhat this year given how many 40-minute games he's, he's gone through with, with John Wall injured? Or did it just seem to you like it was a rhythm thing and that because he only played 25 minutes, he couldn't ever find his rhythm? It definitely has to be both. I've seen on Twitter a lot after this game the the minutes for Brad being floated around how many he's played. He, he's like what third most in the league this year, something like that. But it you still expect him to be playoff Bradley Beal. You know, John shows up in the playoffs with heavy minute loads in the previous season, so you can't really give him an excuse for that. As much as I think Toronto does a great job of showing different looks to him you know they've got so many different guys that can guard him so many different size players that once he was off his rhythm after the, that early foul trouble and then they shoved him with so many different looks you know surge in his face every time he goes to the rim it's it's hard to get going and if his shot's not falling his step back wasn't falling then you're gonna have an off game like tonight mm. by the way Buell was tied for ninth with Andrew Wiggins at 36.3 points a game but saying that he was ninth doesn't really do it justice because LeBron only averaged 36.9 minutes a game, so it's essentially the same number, and he was first. So, yeah, he definitely got a lot of run in. Um, I, I think, you know, I saw one comment on Twitter, and of course we're talking about Twitter, which means absolutely nothing, but it was saying, like, okay, John Walls led the team and carried the Wizards on his back for eight years, and now Bradley Beal does it one year, and everyone's saying, like, oh, this this minute toll is, is obviously the excuse for why he can't play well. He had a good game one. I, I think it's, you know, every shooter has an off game, and especially when you're sitting a lot. I feel like I'm always the guy defending Bradley Beal, and I don't know why I always find myself in this position, but everyone's entitled to a bad game. The thing is, like, the difference is when you look at the Raptors' box score— and you look at Kyle Lowry, he had to share a, a shooting performance to forget as well. He was 3 for 10, 1 of 8 from downtown. But he still found his way getting to the line, 6 to 7 free throws. He finished with 13 points, 12 assists, and 7 rebounds. So that's kind of the issue that Beal didn't shoot well, but as we mentioned, 25 minutes. Like, he can't do that much in 25 minutes. Actually, we were just talking about Jonas Valanciunas with, what was that, uh... 19 points and 14 rebounds, so you can do a solid amount in a little amount of time. But, yeah, Beal didn't do much aside from just, uh, well, he didn't score. So he didn't do much altogether, I guess is the depressing way of putting it. He had three assists, two rebounds, and just two free throws. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's a bad game, and he he's never going to get too high or too low. You know, he'll be back at home. Not that the Wizards crowd really adds too much fire to the flame, um, but I, I, yeah, I think he'll he'll bounce back in my mind. Um, so someone who who played really well in terms of like sparking the Wizards comeback was, of course, John Wall. I think I can't remember his exact stats for the third quarter, but he had like double digit points. I think he shot like five of eight and. Got to align a bunch. I think he made like four consecutive free throws. He had a fair amount of assists. And then the Wizards were within 10 going into the fourth quarter. Where do you think things broke down in the fourth quarter once... I think they went on like an 8 nothing run and then the Raptors responded right back with a 7 nothing run in like a minute or so themselves. 
is it just defensive struggles the entire night and the bench, you know, the starters just not showing up? Is there anything besides what we've talked about in terms of not having the proper level of enthusiasm and a lot of guys having quiet or, you know, just poor shooting nights? Is there anything else that we can kind of attribute this loss to aside from the, the Raptors just being a really, really good team? I mean, from afar, and this is just someone watching on TV, I'm not like with the team personnel during the whole game, Mm -hmm. but Bradley's body language was not, if you see that picture floating around on the bench where his his hands are in his his face with the towel over as they're discussing, you could tell the whole game he was kind of just like eye rolling, he was just looking around, like the body language for the players weren't as as strong as you want, except for outside of like, I would say, John, Mike Scott, Uber, and Ty Lawson, like there's... You just didn't have the energy. Yeah, he's he's never had good body language, so I don't know if it's an anomaly tonight. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. All right, well, we're going to take one more quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the Wizards' solid performance off the bench, and if only the starters had more than, like, 60 points or whatever, like, you know, it could have been a different ball game. ended up just being an 11-point game. So we'll talk about the keys to Game 3 once we get back to D.C., and kind of the... The surprise factor that Ty Lawson presented tonight after his expectations were very mysterious coming from his uh, season overseas in China. So stay tuned. Garrett and I are going to be right back. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome to the final segment of Locked On Wizards here this Tuesday night after the Wizards dropped their Game 2 playoff game. To the Raptors, um, enough about the Wizards, though. In my game, I did something like much more embarrassing than anything the Wizards could have done. So we only had five players in my rec league. Uh, I was the fifth one. I, I had a horrible game to begin with. It was like one point and probably a fair amount of turnovers. Who I didn't count, but a lot of them. And then I also got five fouls. And my fifth foul came with ten minutes to go in the second half. It's only a 40-minute game. And I, you know, had my team play four on five for the last ten minutes. But aside from that, nobody really cares about my game. Let's talk more about the Wizards. Ty Lawson, uh, 14 points and eight assists tonight. He hit four three-pointers. Did he exceed your expectations coming off the bench? Did you think that, you know, he deserved to be the the first point guard in instead of uh, Tomas Sadoransky? And what's going on with Sadoransky? It seems like he just really is struggling playing off the ball. Um, what What's your take on, like, who's the best backup point guard for the Wizards right now? Or is it zero? No point guards. Should Wall just play a lot more minutes? Well, I, I mean, when I first saw Ty Lawson come in off the bench, I think I texted the group chat that it was blasphemous and Sato needed to be into the, in the ball game. And but, then... Yeah, that was a that turned around really quickly after he immediately hit the first three and then continued to just wet threes the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I was pleasantly surprised, but I think Sato needs to be your primary ball handler and your point guard, and you can still run Ty Lawson, have him guard the point guard on the other end because of his you know sh- short stature. 
even though he's still an NBA player. But And then you can just run those two if you need to have Wall and Beal sit. But I don't really in the playoffs ever want a time where you have to have both Wall and Beal sitting. Yeah. Unless so, it's like I mean, a foul trouble type of issue. Yeah, outside of the foul trouble issue, you really shouldn't see either like both of them playing. But in situ- situationally, I think Ty Lawson can be effective, but I would still rather see Sato. I mean, he's proven it all year. He proved it for like 40 straight starting games that he could be a starting point guard in this league. So mm-hmm. this I think he deserves to run. This doesn't mean much at all because he was playing Chinese competition. But uh, in 46 games played in the Chinese basketball league or association whatever it's called chinese basketball association um ty lawson hit 40 percent of his threes he made two of five every game and i've got to double check if they're three-point lines the same distance but he yeah it looked like you know he didn't really skip a beat when he came back and i thought his defense was solid you know given how small he is he's under six feet i thought he did a good job because the wizards were playing like switch everything in terms of the the pick and roll which worked out not in their favor a lot when, like, Markeith Morris was trying to check DeMar DeRozan, but I I thought that, you know, for a guy who's under six feet, uh, Ty did pretty well defensively, in my mind. Yeah, no, there was one play where he got switched onto DeRozan right just at the foul line, which is DeRozan's sweet spot, yeah. just, and he played perfect defense, and I just looked over at my friend, and we just stared at each other and smiled, because it shouldn't happen, that should Ty Lawson should never be able to stop DeMar DeRozan straight coming out of China, and it was beautiful. So, I, yeah, he, he played better, much better than any Wizards fan could have expected, any analyst could expect. Like, no one knew what to see, and he, he showed up. And obviously 31 minutes was too much for him, but, like, what kind of a role do you want to see him play in Game 3 and the rest of the series? I mean, he just needs to, if he can come off the bench and hit, you know, one or two threes a game, really, he just needs, like, he should only get five to ten minutes, but okay. and then he just hits a couple threes, you know, gets a couple shots off, spreads the defense. He could even play with Wall yeah. as backup. That looked really good in the third quarter when uh, Beal was on the bench. You know, I think Lawson hit two or three threes in that quarter, uh, probably just two of them. Yeah, he had two in the first quarter. Mm, actually, I can't remember. Well, anyway, he, he was kind of, you know, he was doing well as like a catch-and-shoot type player. Obviously, he wants the ball in his hands a little bit more, but that's not really going to come when you're a backup point guard. I just thought he, you know, Wall trusted him catching and shooting, and I thought it was a good pairing uh, for, you know, a third quarter that that wasn't great, but ended up being slightly positive for the Wizards. They, yeah, they outscored the Raptors by eight points in that third quarter. Um, I think that'll just about wrap things up, but before we we go, I want to ask what you're keys to game three are going to be and like what are the biggest changes were there rotation lineup tweaks that the wizards need to make was it you know just (laughs) you can't let a team score 44 points in the first quarter and expect to win a game what kind of were like the the main takeaways of what changes you would like to see if you were scott brooks heading into back to dc for game three i would just like to see better three-point defense in all honesty they didn't mm-hmm. shoot great tonight but they shoot well they shot well when it mattered at the start and once the team gets going like that you can't stop them so you just especially the first couple quarters you need to at home you need to get your crowd into it you need to play strong perimeter defense and i think that'll definitely help and then if you get those long shots clanking off john wall can go run out right. get Brett for the open threes you know get markeith in the ball game it'll it'll help the whole team 
And do you feel like there needs to be a different defensive strategy on DeRozan? Does he need to be, probably not doubled at all, given all the shooters, but who would you like to see checking DeMar DeRozan, and what, what changes would you like to see after you know he shot 14 of 23 for 37 points? I think we need to be shoving John, Brad, Otto, and Kelly at him. I need, like, mm. great players need to see different looks, different sizes. Okay. I mean, the John matchup is tough, but he John loves picking up a LeBron mm. all the time, so it's not like he can't take DeRose in a couple matchups if he wants to show, show him some uh, some tough love there. What so I it? think just show him a bunch of different... Uh, Four-inch four inch height difference between them is DeRose in 6'8", and Wall's 6'4", I think. Yeah. I mean, I you know, like, they're different... Quickness and strength and length, they all factor in. You know, it's it's easy. You can kind of, over the course of the game, figure out if the same guy's on you every time or if, you know, even if you get mismatches off pick and rolls. I think I think you raise a good point that you've got to see, you know, more more guys trying to contest him to kind of get him out of his groove. How about Otto? Do you think uh, he's going to bounce back when he's back at home? Um, he didn't play terribly, of course. 12 points, 5 of 10 shooting, but... You know, just two rebounds, two assists. Ended up with three steals, which was high for the Wizards. Do you feel like there's got to be another level of what he contributes for the Wizards to win? Or is can you live with a 12-point, three-steal night from Otto? You could live with that if Markeith and Brad right. and Goldtot were going. But nor, you, you can't really. But we've seen this all year. Some nights he just, since he's not a ball-dominant player, if he does, if they don't get him the ball, he's not going to get going. So exactly. we want Scott Brooks to get him more plays going. We want him to be more dominant. But I don't think that's going to change all of a sudden in the next game when we go home, even though it hasn't all 82 games, you know? So... It's another step he needs to take in his career, I think, that you, you might see next season where he demands the ball in positions when he's... I mean, you can't shoot 5 for 10 and only shoot 10 shots. That's the problem. Right. Like, you need to keep shooting. You're one of you're our best three-point shooter, arguably. So I don't think he'll show up, but he needs to, and you'd hope he does. Yeah. I mean, if, if anyone could show up or just not play at all, I would hope it's... Marcin Gortat after 0 for 4 performance, 0 points, and just 3 rebounds. That's a different story. I don't think he's very happy in DC anymore. And I don't know how many more minutes he'll get because I think you raise a good point that when Valanciunas is on the court, you know, like he, he does rise to the occasion a little bit more, aside from trying to guard him on three pointers. But that's there's something gotta change. I don't I th- I'm sure he's gonna be a starter the rest of the playoffs, but yeah. 12 minutes is right around where I want to see his his restriction moving forward. Garrett, thanks so much. Can you please describe all of these wonderful words that you have for your uh, Twitter name? <laughs> Are you changing it or, or sticking? No. <laughs> sad, sad, <laughs> sad, sad's how it is. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to Locked On Wizards. Uh, make sure to check us out. Subscribe on iTunes, anywhere else where you get your podcasts. That's where you can find us. Once again, I am Noah Getzel, and we will be back on Wednesday night, so tune in for that. Thanks so much, and have a great night, everybody.
Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.